You're listening to a Church Doctor production. Welcome to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. So how do you look at your faith, your church, your Christianity? In the following episodes, we're going to look at Christianity as a movement, not a place, not a location, not a building, not a set of doctrines, but as a movement. And one thing is sure, a movement moves. And a movement has stories, powerful stories. Jesus had powerful stories. They were called parables. The story, the greatest story ever told, is a movement story. Let me give you an example of how you could frame a movement story about your faith, your part in this movement. This is a movement story example. Here we go. We live in a time of pessimism, hopelessness, and despair. The faith of our founding fathers has been disemboweled by the dry rot of a moral decay. Rampant secularization is the thief that has captured and chained our national strength and resolve. We stand shattered by domestic violence, crippled by internal corruption, stripped from the power of the most basic building block of humanity, the family unit. We stand naked and vulnerable in the face of evil forces abroad and sinister corruption in our own backyard. But we do not stand alone. We stand without shame with the King of Kings, the King of the Universe, Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords. We also stand with our brothers and sisters, the church, with the power of the resurrection at our backs and the potential of renewal before us. We are committed to contribute to a reversal in the trend of decline of the Christian movement in North America. We lift up the church as God's mechanism for changing the world one person at a time. The local church, when it does what God has called it to do, and it does it right, is the most powerful mechanism for positive change in the universe. We are committed to help the local church with a greater end, one church after another, after another, until a divine momentum is formed, a momentum that will unleash spiritual influence on other churches, and then a movement is formed. This is our calling. We are prepared to make whatever sacrifices. By God's grace, this will be accomplished in our generation, or we will die trying. Either way, we die fulfilled. But I promise you this, as God is our judge, our nation, under our watch, will not go down the toilet. That, my friend, is the movement story for Church Doctor Ministries. What is your movement story of what God has called you to do? And so welcome to this series about Christianity as a movement. You know, when we talk about Christianity, we think about our local church and our denomination, perhaps, or a fellowship of churches or a network of churches that we belong to. Uh, Perhaps we should, however, focus more on Christianity as a movement. So let's talk about this a little bit. Here in episode one, we're going to talk about 
movement from God's perspective. We begin with a movement definition. The definition of a movement is a motion or action of a person or a group, a series of organized activities by people working concertedly towards some goal. Now, there's a very interesting view when you look at how God has operated in history when you look at the Scripture. In the beginning, God began a movement, and there were three stages. First of all, God created the earth to move. God created people to move. And what God did in the beginning in the Old Testament is that he created a centripetal plan to draw all peoples to himself. That was the Old Testament stage of the movement. In Isaiah 42.6, it says, I have set you among my people to bind them to me and provide you as a lighthouse to the nations. I had an interesting experience when I was a young man in my second year of seminary. My wife and I moved to Australia. Before we moved, and I went to seminary there, I asked an Australian professor who was a visiting professor at our campus here in America, and I asked him, what should we know about Australia before we go there? And he looked at me, and with a serious face, he said, well, you should know that the water goes down the toilet the opposite direction. And I looked at him, and I thought, is he joking? Is he trying to be unserious about my serious question? Is he, like, taking a shot at me, or is he looking for reaction? Now, I want you to think about this. Because it's a perception issue, and perception drives our actions. So how does the water go down a sink or a toilet? It doesn't go straight down, which raises the question, why not? Well, if you were at the other end of the globe, another hemisphere, what direction would the water go down there? Well, the truth is, is that the water goes down the toilet in the northern hemisphere in one direction, and in the southern hemisphere, in the opposite direction. I know it sounds strange if you've never heard that before, but it's actually true because when I got to Australia and we landed at the Sydney airport, the first thing I did was went to the restroom. And in the men's room there, I didn't even have to go to the bathroom. I just flushed the toilet to look. And sure enough, it goes down the other direction. Why? Why does, why does water do that anyway? It's because of a phenomenon called Coriolis, and that's the spin of the earth. And when you're at one end of a ball, a globe, a planet, spinning around, and you're at the top, or one end, there is no top or bottom, that's a North American perspective, <laughs> it goes one direction, and when you're at the other end of that globe, it is a swirl down the other direction. And what happened to me when I went to Australia, it changed my worldview. And yes, I've been at the equator, and it pretty much goes straight down there. It's not a big deal about water and the way it swirls. But I'll tell you this. Sometimes we need a worldview correction. So let's talk about this centripetal force. This is God's plan for the Old Testament the Jewish people. 
He says in Isaiah 49, 6, I'm setting you up as a light for the nations so that my salvation becomes global. So stage one of this movement called Christianity, this Old Testament stage was centripetal. It's a magnet strategy. The whole idea was if you want to find God, you went to Israel. And if you went to Israel, you went to Jerusalem. And if you went to Jerusalem, you went to the Temple Mount, to the temple. That's where the Holy of Holies was located, the center of God's spiritual dwelling on earth. That's where the priests would make sacrifices. If you want to find God, you make a pilgrimage. Even Jesus and his family made a Passover pilgrimage to Jerusalem, to the temple. And so, as you think about this stage one, it was like, oh, I don't know, like bugs that are drawn to a light in the dark on your porch at night. It was a centripetal force. Then stage two. Stage two was the transition. And in John 12, 33, Jesus said, And I, as I am lifted up from the earth, talking about his crucifixion, will attract everyone to me and gather them around me. That scripture continues by saying, He put it this way to show how he was going to be put to death. So the cross becomes now the centerpiece, not the Holy of Holies, but the cross. Jesus is God in the flesh, and so Jesus says things like, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and it is I who will give you rest. That's the eternal dimension of rest. And in John 12, 25 to 36, Jesus said, For a brief time still, the light is among you. Walk by the light, the light that you have, so darkness doesn't destroy you. If you walk in the darkness, you don't know where you're going. As you have the light, believe in the light, then the light will be within you. Oh, now there's a transition. This light, Jesus, the light of the world, this light is now within you by faith in Jesus and shining through your lives, it says in John 12, 25, 36, and you'll be children of light. This is the transition stage of this movement called Christianity. And then we get to stage three where Jesus says, go. It's the go strategy. Jesus took the movement to a whole new level. It went from centripetal to transition to centrifugal. That's like putting an object on the end of a string and twirling it around and let go. It's centrifugal. In Matthew 28:19, in the message version of the Great Commission, Jesus says, God authorized and commanded me to commission you, go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says, And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, 
you will be able, you will be empowered to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all over Judea, Samaria, even to the ends of the earth. And so the centerpiece of the Holy of Holies turns into a worldwide mission. So how does that movement thinking penetrate churches today? How about your church? If I asked the people of your church, what would they say? Are you an all come? Y'all come? Church? Are you a we're going to go church? Because you see, that's mission. And mission comes from the word send or sent. And mission is sending. We are in the New Testament era of this movement. We are messengers. It's just really interesting when you look at missions in the Bible. One of my favorite books in mission school was by George Peters. He uh, wrote a book called A Biblical Theology of Missions. And he talks about this change in plans, this evolution, if you will, of God's plan, one step at a time through three stages. So in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, it was Israel. Y'all come. In the New Testament, it's a go strategy. Go to the world. Go global. You all come turns into go. So as we look at this, we're going to look at how we behave as Christians and ask ourselves, are we an organization? Are we a group that gathers? And is our top priority fellowship? Is it the pastor's job alone to reach out to the world? Or is it relegated to an evangelism committee? Are, are we focused on putting on our website? Is that the main mission of our church? That people who want to find us, we're just saying, y'all come? The sign out in front? Is that what it's all about? Or is it that every single one of us is in a go mode? Or is our approach to come, hear a good sermon, be fed, and then get out of church and race to the restaurant and beat those other Christians to our favorite restaurant lunch? Do we come and go, but do we go just to feed ourselves? Or do we see ourselves on a mission? When you're at work or in your neighborhood, when you're among unchurched people, are you a missionary? Or are you a person who belongs to XYZ Church? What is your worldview? How, how do you see, how is it your perspective on your Christianity? 
Is it a y'all come mentality? Is church the centerpiece of your Christianity? Or is the world the stage where you act out your faith? Or does it even matter to you? You see, when we're challenged in a nation where Christianity is losing its grip of influence, when churches are declining, when the number of Christians continues to get smaller by percentage and number, when the average age of people in church is over 60 years old, when we have lost whole generations of young people, and for some Christians, even their own children, who are now adults and have children of their own who are not even baptized. When we look at the media and we see the raw secularization of the country that we lost as Christians, could it be that we looked at our church as a country club rather than a launching pad? Could it be that we somehow slipped into an Old Testament Israel approach at the Temple Mount and have forgotten that Jesus moved us on to a whole new level, that he put that light in us that we are people on the move, that our posture is to go more than it is to come. It's to come to church so we can go. It's to grow so that we can go. It's to learn to become disciples who are disciplers. You see, when Jesus first approached the disciples... He said, come, follow me, and I will teach you to be fishers of men. What that means is you'll share your faith. You'll be sharing your faith with men and women, all people, particularly those with whom you've developed a relationship, those in your social network, your friends, your relatives, your neighbors, people where you work or go to school, those people who don't yet know Jesus and for whom the clock is ticking and someday they'll die and they'll be gone for eternity. But you are an ambassador for Christ, as the Bible says. And you are not just someone who comes to church but goes to your social network to your world, to that person you meet on the street, to that neighbor that has a need, to people who are all around you. And so Jesus equipped the disciples. And as time went on, he not only said, you'll be fishers of men and women, you'll be sharing that good news. But even more than that, and this is huge because this is the multiplication piece, he said to the disciples, as they matured, he said what God wants matured 
Christians to know. He changed the metaphor from you'll be fishers of men and women. And he added to that very important step, feed my sheep. And when he said that, he was basically saying what he said in the Great Commission, make disciples. And he didn't just say that to people who are the apostles. That's true for every Christian. You're not only to be a fisher of men and women and share the gospel, that good news about Jesus, but you're to be a discipler of those people because in that discipleship process is the multiplication of a movement. So the Christianity doesn't become a country club of those who are saved, but a launch pad of those who are discipling and multiplying a movement, the greatest movement in the history of the world. And if the movement doesn't move, you lose your country. You lose the sanity of the gospel. You lose an eternal perspective that has so many implications on individuals and how they live, how they think, how they act. It makes all the difference in a society. And so this is this movement that started out centripetal, everything coming to the center, like water going down the drain in a swirl, to a transition stage, Jesus, come follow me, centripetal, go make disciples, centrifugal, are you caught at the stage of the water going down the toilet? Because if you are, your church will go down the toilet. Our nation will go down the toilet. That's what our movement story for Church Doctor Ministries is all about. That story that I read you at the beginning. It is emotional, it is impactful, it is powerful, because stories are powerful. Do you think that you need to hear that story? Do you think that the people in your church need to hear that story? The sending story, the ambassador story, the discipling story? It's the way renewals occur in churches and it's the way that revivals occur in nations that we recapture the essence of Christianity which is not just learning all about Jesus for ourselves we're not just consumers we're ambassadors and we're on a mission Years ago, there was a a film, The Blues Brothers, (laughs) kind of a funny spoof, but (laughs) they would continue to say, we're on a mission from God. 
And you know what? I don't hear that much in churches that we serve as consultants. We have to reintroduce that in churches where we work. And as we do, people become centrifugal Christians. I don't know how we got there. I'm not placing the blame anywhere. Maybe it's just a human tendency to be comfortable. I don't know. But when you've got people that don't see themselves as disciples, then they leave it up to the institution. At best, they'll invite someone to the institution, the church. But people who are far from God are not ready to go to church. It's culture shock for unchurched people in this secular world to be invited to a building. That's not the destination. The destination is first their heart. And the one to reach them best is not the pastor or some stranger on the evangelism committee or whatever. It's the people who are in their social network, people like you who have a social network of people who don't yet know Jesus. So as we begin and as I wrap up this episode one, I want you to think about come to church or go make disciples. Where's the movement in that? As we walk through these episodes, we're going to look at Christianity as a movement. What is the movement for you? What is the movement for your church? What is the movement for your denomination? This is serious stuff. What is your direction as a Christian? It has to start somewhere. Can it start with you? Well, in episode two, we'll look at the posture of your church at a deeper level. And we'll look at your direction, your posture as a Christian. And my prayer and my hope is that God will speak to you as he has spoken to me. And as we try to speak with churches, as we work with churches, and help people to see nothing more, nothing less than basically what Jesus taught, the very heart of the Christian movement. I pray that you'll move with me through these episodes, and I pray that God will move you, and you will move your church. You have been listening to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. If you've liked this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to hear future episodes. Check out Kent Hunter's new book, Who Broke My Church? Seven Proven Strategies for Renewal and Revival, available now wherever books are sold.